All right. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be so good today. Looking really looking forward to it. Thank you, church. Gabe, thanks for playing piano with us this morning, man. This is my, my new son here. And um, he's never played with a band before. First time playing with a band this, this morning. So um, it was a ragtag band, but we were a band. We're going to call ourselves a band. We're going to practice on Friday nights out in the garage. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for And I want to just thank you as a church for allowing us to um, not be professional here. Because if you're coming here for a professional church, I think, I don't know if there really is a professional church. I've been to those churches that, are try, that try to be professional, and it's kind of cool for a little while, but then after a while, you're like, this isn't real life. It's just not real life. Real life is where we have to try new things, and we have to stumble through it sometimes, and so thank you for letting us stumble through it once in a while here. Um, there's going to be no stumbling from this point on, because we have... <laughs> Amazing, um, gifted uh, people who have hearts for God. And um, Three Sermon Sunday is going to be a new uh, thing that's going to happen at RCC periodically, especially when the pastor goes to a conference all week, and then he comes back, and I don't have to preach. It's awesome. Um, so I have the privilege to announcing the very first speaker uh, this morning. Uh, she's dreading this moment, um, but... I just want to say that we have two pastors on staff here at the church, um, obviously one who stands before you, but uh, Pastor Marcy is one of our licensed Foursquare pastors, not only licensed now, but ordained, rec- yes, ordained on Friday. On Friday, she was officially ordained by Foursquare, and what that means is they, they come alongside of God and say, we recognize the gifts and the talents and abilities that you have, and we want to recognize that. It's, the way they described it, it's like the Hall of Fame. You guys realize that most pastors burn out after about a year and a half, and then they're done. Um, staff pastors last about a year and a half, and then they're done. Because here's the problem with that is we cannot pay them enough. They're worth way more than we can ever afford, Right? And I tell everybody that I hire, and so if we're going to hire you soon, maybe, maybe I'm looking at, I'm not trying to make eye contact at anybody, um, not trying to do that, sorry about that, um, that if you treat ministry like a job, you'll quit. It's a calling, and Marcy has a calling on her life, and we recognize that. And I told her just recently, and I'm just going to say this out loud for everybody to hear it, she's not just the children's pastor here at our church. She's a pastor here at our church. And over the last year and a half of what I've had to walk through and carry, she's actually picked up the load and carried it um, for me and for you. So she's not just our children's pastor, but she's one of our pastors here at the church. So I would like to introduce to you Ordained Reverend Pastor Marcy Jones. Good morning. Okay, that's better. Um, 
I just want to say, before I start, I just want to say thank you to everyone here, because I wouldn't be able to do this without you guys and your support and your love and your encouragement over the past few years. Um, I probably wouldn't have been one of those out if I didn't have all of you standing behind me and lifting me up and praying for me, whether I ask for it or not. So thank you. So back in 2019, when I became a children's pastor, um, Kevin said, hey, you're going to preach. 2020 is your year. And I was like, no. But then 2020 happened, and um, 2020 was not my year. And 2021 happened, and that, didn't, that wasn't my year either. So I almost made it through 2022 before I had to get up here and talk. So <laughs> almost. Um, so what um, Pastor Kevin asked us to talk about today was what he preached on last week, which was 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. So I'm going to read those verses from the message um, just to get a little different perspective of what he talked about last week. So this is um, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately, the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. These are your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. And I love those words. Your tickets to participation in the life of God. That's what these promises, the promises in the Bible. I Googled it, and there's lots of argument about how many promises are in the Bible. So the general consensus was three to 8,000. Some people say 30,000, which is only a little over 30,000 verses in the Bible. So that may be a bit extreme. Anyways, so I'm going to stick with the three to 8,000. And one of my favorites um, is from Isaiah. And it's Isaiah 46.4, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And that's a lot of promises in one verse. But, and when I first read that, when I was a fairly new Christian, I started reading my Bible after a while, um, I thought rescue meant salvation. And... As I grew and as I matured as a Christian and as I went through different things in life, um, I realized that rescue, yes, definitely salvation, but that's only the first step. Um, we are rescued from fear, from anger, from insecurity, from discouragement, um, because even though we made a decision to follow Jesus, we still live in a broken world. And... So when things happen in this broken world, where do we turn? And that's where the promises come in. Um, I call it the what if road. When things happen in my life, my brain is like, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I never go like, what if everything good that could come out of this situation could possibly happen and it all turns out wonderful? My brain doesn't do that. My brain says, what if this, what if that, what if this? What if that? And the end of the what if road for me, for us, for followers of Jesus, 
at the end of that what-if road, if all the worst possible things that we can think of ever happened in our life, the end of the road, Jesus is still there. And that's the promise of him sustaining me, sustaining you, and rescuing you. Um, so for I, my what-if road, um, about four years ago, and all of this happened within a span of like two to three weeks, my mom had cancer that had spread. Um, one of my kids had a lot of medical, really serious medical issues going on. Um, and actually quit my job here because I said, I just can't do it anymore. It's too hard. I can't do this. Um, so I quit. And we were going to leave RCC. I was going to lose all my friends. Um, my family's financial security was in jeopardy. Um, and our marriage was in a really, really bad place. A really bad place. And some of you have heard this before, but I came here one morning by myself, and I sat in that chair where I always sit to pray, and it didn't feel close enough. So I came up here, and it still didn't feel close enough. So I came back here, and I just knelt at the base of the cross, and I just started praying. And I don't know what was coming out of my mouth. There was, I was crying. It was words. It was, I don't know what it was. But I said, God, how am I going to do this? I cannot do this. It's too hard. And he said, I will help you. And me being me, I was like, how? <laughs> I want specifics. Um, and that's when he gave me this verse. Again, I will rescue you. I will sustain you. Um, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Um, just all of those verses that we hear over and over and over, um, I have made you for good works. I have a plan for you. I will give you a hope in the future. All of those things just started running through my head. And I knew at that moment um, that Jesus was at the end of all my what-ifs. Because if my mom died and my kid was sick and I couldn't do ministry anymore and I lost all my friends and I didn't have a job and my marriage ended and we didn't have any money, Jesus is still there. He was still going to be there for me. Um, and when I set my mind on Jesus, my perspective shifts. And I still have the pain, the hurt, the brokenness, but I can see God's promises in the midst of it. And that is the hope that I hold on to. Um, that is the hope that we all have, that we all should be holding on to. Um, so what would happen if all your what-ifs actually happened? At the end of your what-if road, is Jesus there? And if he's not, I would just, I would just say pick Google promises of God and pick one of the 3,000, one, if there's only 3,000, pick one and pray and ask God, please, can I have this promise? Can you give this promise to me? 
and he will answer you. And if you don't think that the promises of the Bible are for you, ask someone to pray for you. Ask me, I will pray for you. Because every single person in this room deserves, is worthy of the promises of God. He's not going to leave you. He is going to sustain you no matter what happens. He's at the end of that what-if road. So I'm going to pray and then introduce Eric. Um, Jesus, I thank you so much for the people in this room that you are with us, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever that the Jesus we read about in the Bible is the Jesus of today, and the promises of the Bible, God's word, are still true for each and every one of us. And I pray that anyone who doesn't believe that, that they would have the courage and the strength to ask you to help them believe that, and reach out to somebody and ask that person to help them believe that. Amen. Here's Eric. Hey, friends, family, I don't need that. I've got people praying for me right now, and that's good. First, if you want to know when your comfy old jeans are done, it's when you go to scratch your leg, and it does that. But now I'm cool because, you know, everybody's doing that. Yeah, another $8 trip to the Value Village. <laughs> hey, my wife's giving me a look, and I'll probably have to figure that out later. That happened this morning. Um, uh, shout out to, we have viewers in Plano, Texas today. We have viewers in San Angelo. We have viewers in Vancouver, and we have viewers in Renton. We have my wife, Krista, right there, so that's awesome. And uh, Lord, I pray that the message that happens this morning and the words that come out of my mouth are not words that I want to say, uh, but the words that you have um, for your people, that it's your message and not mine. Into that. Uh, those of you who know me know that I'm a writer by nature. Um, I love technical writing. I tried to be an engineer and it was way too hard. Uh, all I wanted to do was write, so I changed majors and I particularly love grammar. When I see something up on the screen, I'm, I'm nudging my wife and going, they missed a period. There's, a, there's two spaces in there. And it drives me nuts. Um, what I do is I write manuals for a living, so I work with people called SMEs. Anybody know what a SME is? Raise your hand. Shout it out. Subject matter expert, yes. And I do that uh, so that complex material is digestible by AJ. AJ is average Joe, average Joe user. So when I see a grammar-related meme, um, it's rare that I don't save it, and I saved a few for you. She said, you can get on the airplane. I said, no thanks, I'm getting in the airplane. <laughs> that kid is now like 18 years old. It's, it's fun to look him up. It's before, not before, you speak English, not bingo. <laughs> he texted me, you're adorable. I responded with, no, you're adorable. Now he thinks I like him when all I did was point out his grammar mistake. <laughs> that one still gets me sometimes. I began reading a horror novel in Braille. Something bad's about to happen. I can feel it. And then I saw this posted on the wall at Microsoft. Um, it's by Mark Twain. It says, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. 
Isn't that cool? So Pastor Kevin called last week and said, how's it going? I said, uh, I, I hadn't really been inspired yet. I had been inspired. I had like a whole thing wrote up, and it was for the wrong verses. So I had to start out and do it again. Um, this time I read the right verses, but I didn't, I didn't get them. So here's the verses, which uh, is summed up as confirming one's calling and election. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Have you ever read a verse and then read it again, and kind of go, like, and then you read it again and you still don't get it, so you go read something simple like, Jesus wept? I mean, I can wrap my head around Jesus wept. When I read this, I'm a little bit confused, and I have to read it over and over again. But... Uh, what I did do is see, can I add some commas in there, not to change the word, but to help me understand it. So I put a, a break in here. His divine power is giving us everything we need for a godly life. Cool. I can grasp that. How? Through our knowledge. What's the knowledge? Where do we get the knowledge that's his divine power? Who's got a Bible? Hold it up if you got a Bible. Yep. This is the power for our life, is it not? It's divine power divine power in this book of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. What I want to talk about mostly today is goodness. So I looked at the study notes in my Bible, and it says that one of the book's goals, Second Peter, was to combat false teaching, or what they also called incipient Gnosticism. Doesn't that sound either really cool or really bad? Incipient Gnosticism. And I thought, well, A, I have no clue what that means, and why is it capitalized? Why does Gnosticism get a G? And why does it get a G in front when you don't even pronounce it? It frustrates me. So my writer mind spinning, um, this is what we call going down the rabbit hole, I looked up, what's Gnosticism? Gnosticism is a prominent heretical movement of a second century Christian church, partly of pre-Christian origin. Gnostic doctrine taught that the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity, the Demiurge, and that pronounced right, I hope, and that Christ was an emissary of the remote supreme divine being, esoteric knowledge, gnosis of whom enabled the redemption of his spirit. I felt so much better after I read that. <laughs> you know, I mean, my mind just kind of blew. That really makes it clear. So it didn't help me much either, but Second Peter was written around 65 to 68 AD. So 60 years after Christ was born, 30 years after Christ left. So 30-ish years after Christ was gone, less time than some of us in this room have even been alive, people are already looking for something different. They're already saying Jesus isn't enough. Jesus isn't it. There's something else. Gnosticism. The world was forgetting who Jesus was and what he did. They were filing Jesus away as nothing but a messenger. And they made up another God entity, Demiurge, and were changing salvation to knowledge. <laughs> so flash forward another 2,000 years. Forget about grace, right? Trust the science. I don't know if it was really connected, but they seem like, yeah, just trust the science. It's all the knowledge. You don't need Jesus. You just need to know stuff. I think it's more than that. So read verse 3 again. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who created us by his own glory and goodness. It doesn't say that he called us with judgment. Has your dad ever called you when you were a kid and said, hey, come here, I want to beat you? Well, that's not really going to motivate your kid to come running. Come here, I want to punish you. No. How did God do it? He called us with what? 
called us with glory and goodness. So we should too. Now, when we're trying to reach our people around us, the people around us, our neighbors, now, glory. I don't have a lot of glory to give to people. I look really bad with a backlight behind me, and I don't have a choir going, oh, all the time. So glory is probably not my nature. Uh, goodness I can do. I can call people to Christ with goodness, and we all can. So where do I get that goodness? I get it from God. My natural disposition as a human being is really not that good. If you want a quick picture of the natural condition of man, go through that door and go into the toddler room and watch toddlers interact with each other. That is pure human interaction. And if you want to know how that works over there, there's rules of how toddlers work. This is what's called the toddler rules. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. And that bugs me because any way should be two words. <laughs> if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, that's yours. <laughs> now, you disappoint a toddler and you get some pretty instant action, right? You get weeping, you get wailing, you get gnashing of teeth, you get little fists flying around and scratching. And a lot of us as adults would do that today if we didn't end up in jail. That's our natural disposition, right? We want to act out and, and get results. But with God's help, we can show goodness. We can show goodness to our neighbor, the cashier helping us, the delivery driver who's bringing us our fifth box for the week, uh, the barista, those people generally don't have time for a sermon and us telling them, hey, you know where you're going? You're going to hell. That's not really well received ever. <laughs> but what we can do is give, give them goodness. We can be good to them. We can give them a smile. We can give that delivery driver, leave out a cold pop for them on a hot day. Don't do it in the middle of winter. Will one cold drink fix a neighbor that's dumping his trash on the back of my property? Which is not happening, just an example. Probably not. Uh, you can invite him to a Seahawks game with snacks. Will that change him? That's a little bit more goodness. Probably won't. What about 10 times? What about 10 years? Might take a long time with goodness to reach a person, right? So, but what's happening there is, is relationship. You're not condemning your neighbor or the barista or anyone. You're having relationship with them. You're not even mentioning the word Jesus. You're just being good to them. So when they're ready, when they're so confused about how we can be so nice for so long, they'll come to us and say, what is it with you? I mean, I dump my trash on your yard. I let my dog do his thing in your front yard. You're stepping on it. All this happens, and you never say anything. You're just good. And they ask us, what is it? And that's when Jesus comes out. Because, I mean, we do that for years, and they're going to ask us about it. Come visit my church. That might work. But be nice. I think that works a lot better. I think that more people come to Christ by being loved and being, being good to by people, by Christians, than any other way. I, w I, would bet, I would bet money on that. I think there's always been and always will be a primary way that Jesus, people find Jesus, and it's that way. So while we're talking about being good to people, um, this is another favorite saying of mine. If you're a giver, remember to learn your limits because the takers don't have any. But what's wrong with that? For us in this room, what's wrong with that message? It's not particularly Christian. Now, if you're giving away cash, good sign. Memorize that sign, because you have, should have your limits. 
But if you're giving away God's goodness, forget that sign. You have no limit. We have no limit in how much good we can give away. Christ said to forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, don't stop. Don't stop forgiving. Don't stop being good. The work that we do may never be seen by us. Our bad neighbor may move away, and it's another Christian's neighbor's chance to finish the work. We may move away, and it's another person who moves in. It's their Christian chance to finish the work of goodness. So don't be disappointed that I've been good to this guy for 10 years, and he's still letting his dog do his thing on my lawn. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is just to be good. Because our job is not to paint signs on the side of our car, like little crosses or little Christian marks. Say, hey, look at all the people that I converted to Christ. That's not our goal. This guy's got camels on this. I think this is a made-up funny, because obviously he's not shooting camels all the time. But we don't want our cars to look like this. Hey, look how many people I converted. That's not the point. The point is to just love and be good to people. So now we go. Krista, uh, my wife, has lately begun baking sourdough bread and delivering it to neighbors. We've started with neighbors nearby us, and we've slowly been expanding down the road. She's also been baking for us, so there's something else that's been expanding. Uh, there's a... There are few neighbors that we pass now who don't wave. We, we drive down a long private driveway, and there's, oh, there's always a wave. There's a couple of people who are still down the road, but most of them wave. Part of that is just from her sourdough, her willingness to bake it. It takes days to make this stuff. You've got to set it. You've got to rest it. You've got to cool it. You've got to heat it. You've got to bake it. Part of that's just from bread. It's not even sweet bread. It's just sourdough, but it's good sourdough. But that's building relationships. And I think that someday she's going to meet someone in heaven who say, hey, I'm here because of your bread. Be bread of life. Right? So remember, that's good. That's goodness. Bread is good. Relationship is good. It's all good. Who says that? And I think that's what we need to show to the world is God goodness to the point where we don't have any empty seats in here. To the point where our neighbors are so enthralled with what is, what is it with this guy or this gal or these people that they come here to find out, what, what is it? How can they be so nice and so good all the time when everybody else is all, oh, COVID, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> to the point where you don't get your favorite seat anymore. You're going to have to move. John, you're going to have to move. So speaking of good bread, I want to finish with uh, an informative slide about some different kinds of biblical bread you may not know about. Toast Malone, <laughs> Vladimir Gluten, Elon Crust, and Bread Sheeran. I thought those were great plays on English. So let's all be good to each other, and I want to introduce our last speaker today. Cindy, would you come on up? Well, going last, I'm thinking, oh, no, Marcy's going to take everything I was going to say, and how can I follow an act like that? I mean, <laughs> good job, Eric. Good job, Marcy. So I just want to say a few words to the Lord before we start, okay? Lord, you be honored and you be glorified. God, as we've set aside this time and as we've worshiped and as we pressed into your word, God, it's you we want, it's you we need. Abba, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We give our lives to you. And thank you, Abba, that you have given us great and precious promises. And God, as we focus on that in these last few minutes, God, may we not just hear them, but may we receive them. And God, it become the foundation of our life. So I thank you for that, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to start back just a little bit before them. Verses 2 through 4 says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your intimate knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And I love that starting point in all of the gospel and all the letters. Um, and grace is God's gift to us. And so is peace. And that grace is the movement of God's spirit in us. Not because we deserve it or we've earned it somehow, but because of his love. And that peace is shalom. And it is total well-being in every aspect of our life. And we understand that and we come into that by understanding God's promises, who he is. All the promises speak of his character and his heart. And there's so many. I mean, I could have spent all day with the 30,000. <laughs> um, but a few that just kind of came to my mind was, um, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can ever separate us from his love. If he's for us, who could possibly be against us? The good work that he began in us, he's promised us he'll complete it. And all of his promises bring healing to those wounded places of our life. And as Marcy was sharing, we all have them. I could go on about my story and the trauma, the woundedness of my past. But I guess what I want to glorify is, Jesus, you have taken every broken place within me and made me whole. I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> but what God has said is true. I can live and you can live in grace and in peace because of Jesus. And so as I was praying on this and just asking God, which one of these promises do you want me to focus on today? Um, what came to me was rest, the peace, the joy, the protection that he provides for us. And, and I just want to speak these over you. So I'm going to read some scripture and um, just receive this as God speaking to you. So this is from Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. His everlasting arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. If you make the Lord your refuge, you will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night or have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you. No evil will conquer you. For he will order his angels to protect and guard you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For this is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you love me, delight in me, 
and trust in my name. I will greatly protect you and rescue you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your times of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy and reward you with a rich life full of blessing, and you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. Let that soak in for a minute. There is nothing in this life, human, demonic, whatever, that God isn't right there, and his protection and his love surrounds us and keeps us. And even more than that, we triumph over our enemies. That's God's promise. And then Jesus says in John 14 and 15, Don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. Because I will live again, you'll come alive too. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me and he will never leave you. You will know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. You will be one with me, for I will be living in you. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father. I will love him and reveal myself to him. Loving me empowers you to obey my word. The Father loves you so deeply, and he makes you our dwelling place. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you can keep my commands, you will live in my love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. I now call you my most intimate and cherished friends. I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. I've told you all this so that you will not surrender to confusion or doubt. Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. And as I want to kind of just end with this scripture and what, um, what the Lord has spoken so many times to me, it's Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, out of the Message Bible. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I want to close this in prayer. Mm -hmm. Lord, so that promise that we've been given, that as we abide in you, as we make you your, our refuge, God, that you rescue, that you protect, that you give us your joy, that you give us your peace, 
And God, you say that we can truly rest in you. And God, for each one of my brothers and sisters today, God, I pray that they would be able to enter into that rest that you have provided. And God, those great and precious promises that you've given, God, help us to allow your Holy Spirit to bring them up into our heart, into our mind as we face things. And God, that we wouldn't just hear them, but we would receive them, that they would become the bedrock foundation of our life. And God, everything that you have provided for us, God, that we would live in because of our knowledge of who you are. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you bring grace and peace. And God, for all that you are, for all that you've done, God, we give you our worship. We give you our lives. We give you today. We give you tomorrow. And with a heart of trust, we say, God, your kingdom come and your will be done, just like things are done in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a good word from all of y'all. Well, you should be full. That's, the, that's quite a smorgasbord right there. Um, I trust that the God, has God has spoken to you this morning. Is Jesus in your what-ifs? He is in your what-ifs. We all walk in here with ifs. And we all walk in here as followers of Jesus that we have give, been given a responsibility to be reflections of his goodness. Not just to know that God is good, but for us to display his goodness. I think that's one of the things that the church is lacking and has been lacking. It's because most people look at the church and like, they just judge me. And Jesus was outside the church in the community. And did he judge them? He loved them into the kingdom. You know who Jesus judged? He judged those inside the church, not outside the church. So we need to be reflections of his goodness. And then we need to be ones who hang on to his promises. Love to get a list of those. We can post those at some point. We have, oh, there we go. Perfect. Somehow I knew she had copies. So perfect. Just the word of God washing over us and reminding us that his promises never fail us. Ever. Ever. Even in the midst of the craziest, darkest times, in the midst of when everything literally seems to be falling apart. And I've witnessed it personally. And I walked in here with a lot of what ifs. But when I sit down at the end of my time and the end of me, Jesus showed up in my what ifs. And just reminded me that I'm here. I'm here. And I pray that this week, as you take time to spend with him, he'd remind you that I'm here for you. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'm leading you. I'm behind you. I'm beside you. And so, Lord, that is our prayer. 
God, I thank you for all the words that were given this morning. I pray that we would walk out with exactly what we need, that we'd be able to hang on to those precious truths that have been spoken this morning. And Lord, I thank you that for Pastor Marcy and for Eric and for Cindy, for laying down their lives and serving us by getting up in and sharing from your word. Pray for an amazing day today, God, that we would recognize you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you, church. Next week's baptisms. If you want to get baptized, let me know. Sign up out there, and we'll get you baptized.